Hello, I'm Mike Patra, and I'm the host of the Hoopball DFS Today podcast. Come join us as we go game by game, breaking down our top plays, fades, values, pivots, and talk overall strategy for both tournaments and cash games. And the best part, we're doing this seven days a week. So come check us out. That's Hoopball DFS Today. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Mike Patria for any updates, listener contests, and DFS information. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Everybody, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. It's playoff time in the bubble. Bubble playoffs. The uh blub the plubble plubbles? The the playoffs? A bubble off? I don't know. I'm Dan Bespris. Maybe I shouldn't have said that after making horrible jokes, but I did. At Dan Bespris on Twitter. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This, of course is a hoop ball presentation fantasy nba today brought to you by our good friends at mybookie.ag and i wanted to shoot that in here right at the outset because the very first thing we're going to cover today is a game that starts in about 45 minutes the jazz and the nuggets denver favored by four and a half points with a total of 214 and i'll tell you right now i don't have a clue what's about to happen in this series because i don't feel like we saw the Nuggets caring at all during the seeding games. Utah looked terrible. Denver looked terrible. Denver didn't guard anybody. I assume they're going to try to guard somebody now. And so my plan for this game, I'll just put it out here very quickly, is I'm largely going to be fading in-game runs, meaning if Denver goes on like an 8-0 run, I'll check that in-game line. And if Utah goes on an 8-0 run, I'll check that in-game line. Because that'll bounce around by 4 or 5 points you know, about one for every two, more or less. Every time somebody make a, makes a bucket, that in-game line seems to move by about one point, at least early in the game. That's how it works. And so, you know, obviously the game starts tied, but if Denver races out to a 15-point lead, I'll take Utah. I'm sure they're going to be catching nine or ten points at that juncture. And if they come back and score 10, 12 points, or they outscore Denver by 10 or 12, and then Denver's only leading by two or three, then maybe that line comes down to Denver by one or two points, and and then you create an interesting little middling opportunity. Because I don't think there are some games that will potentially be blowouts. Milwaukee plays tomorrow. You'll see some blowouts, I think, in that series. I don't know if you see any blowouts in the Western Conference. I mean, maybe you do. Every individual game is a little weird, and teams get hot, and weird thing, and strange things happen. But uh, Brooklyn-Toronto, you might see a blowout at some point in that series. We all know Toronto's issues in their first game of a playoff series. We'll talk about that in just a second. Boston-Philly plays later. Dallas Clippers. There's a chance Clippers might blow out the Mavs at some point, but they just they score so well. I, I don't know. You know, Are they going to shut down Luka? They can slow him down. In any event, the point of that is, I, I don't think that this, this game, this Utah-Denver game, I, Denver is the better team. You know, they're favored in the game. They're favored in the series. It seems like the series prices indicate that they're favored to win this series in six games or so. But it, to me, when you look at it from a personnel standpoint, this game, the matchup doesn't seem like anyone should be getting beat up. 
Nikola Jokic is obviously very good. He hasn't quite looked like himself in the bubble. And Rudy Gobert is going to give him a hard time, at the very least. Jokic will be doing a lot of passing, I would venture to guess. And then you look at the rest of the roster, and Denver, they're going to be starting Michael Porter Jr., which is interesting for them, but this will be, an inter- this will be a, a new test for the young fella going into the playoffs. He'll probably be dealing with, if I had to guess, Royce O'Neal, Mike Conley and Jamal Murray going head-to-head, Denver without Gary Harris, without Will Barton, uh, Paul Millsap. Who the hell else we got looking at on this thing? Who I don't know, maybe Joe Ingles will be on Michael Porter. In any event, we've seen Utah. They have some guys on that team that actually look decent come playoff time. They're going to grind it out. Uh, so, you, you know, you find these little in-game runs. That said, if you think it's going to be a close game, four and a half points is not a lot to get if you're the underdog. And it's a little weird to ask a favorite to cover because you come down to the stretch here, three-point game, there's going to be fouling. That gets you to four or five. Do they make the bucket? I don't want a game where my full game wager is teetering on whether or not someone just lobs a three-pointer in as the clock expires in a game that was already decided. So we turn it on. We watch. One team goes up by 10, 12 points. You take the other team. Flip it. Reverse it. We're going to be talking, by the way, to Brandon Marcus in just a moment here on this podcast. I wanted to jam this stuff in right out of the choot. Sign up for an account over at mybookie.ag with promo code HOOPBALL. That will let them know that we sent you. It also unlocks a 100% deposit match bonus and a baseball futures voucher. That's an extra little uh, couple of things in your wallet over at MyBookie because we sent you. And again, that promo code is HoopBall. It looks great for us. And you can play along with us. I'll be tweeting out these in-game wagers as they pop up. I've been trying to do that. That said, it's hard. You have to be Johnny on the spot with it. So please do follow me on Twitter, at Dan Vespers, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, because these in-game numbers, they don't last but for a few seconds if you're literally betting them as the game is happening. You might hit a commercial break where you have 90 seconds to think about your wager, but, I mean, if you're not on it in, in 15, 20 seconds, you might miss that number. And the odds bounce around and so on and so forth. So uh, we're going to have a little fun with that. Again, that's over at mybookie.ag. You can follow them on Twitter at mybookiebet. And you can win along with us. I know our guys over at Hoopball Gaming have been doing an incredible job with NBA, with hockey, with soccer. Yeah, I know. It's there's, there, Again, there's really something with baseball. There's something so satisfying about winning in sports I don't know anything about, and that's that's been happening as well. Uh, Brew has been betting and posting his plays. I think he went 21-12 and 12 in seeding game plays. I only officially put two plays in our best bet bucket, and they won. So that was cool. And then I did a lot of action stuff in-game, whatever, that I was trying to tweet about. But I, I'm not, you know, those were winners, but I don't think you can put those in your win-loss record. Like, if I went 9-2 and two in in-game wager, I didn't. I didn't. I don't know. It was something like probably 7-4, and four, I think, in in-game wagers. But I didn't put those in my record. I think that's sort of disingenuous because a lot of people aren't going to be able to catch the number. By the time I finish tweeting it, the number's gone. So that's just so folks know what I'm doing. Um, mybookie.ag. You bet. You win. They pay. The other games on the docket for today. This is what a great day. What a great, great day. We got games starting in uh, 40 minutes from the time I record this podcast, and then one just follows the other. Every two and a half hours, another game starts. 
Game two, Brooklyn at Toronto. The Raptors, they are notoriously slow playoff starters, and Brooklyn is catching 10. It's a really, really big number for a Nets team that's going to fight. So I would lean to Brooklyn in this game, total of 221 and a half. I think there's a correlated parlay if you want to get into the, the, the real nitty-gritty of sports betting on this one, meaning if you believe Brooklyn's covering, you probably also believe that they're going to find a way to score. The way that Toronto wins this game, they're not going to win this game by 11 points in a game that goes, you know, 130 to 115. If they win by, by 11 or more, Toronto's going to do it by holding Brooklyn to 100 points. They're going to win uh, 115 to 100 or something like that, which would go under. So depending on which way you're leaning in this game, there's a parlay to be had. If you think Brooklyn's going to cover, then it's probably going to go over the total. Because it seems unlikely that Brooklyn's going to win this game with their defense. Not exactly uh, notorious team stoppers on that Brooklyn side. Jared, uh, Jared Allen, solid around the rim, but I mean, look at the rest of the, the stuff going on on that team. They're not, uh, I mean, they're going to be busting their hump, and you might get unders early in playoff series as teams sort of feel each other out, and there's a lot of set plays and so on and so forth, but... I do think that if Brooklyn keeps this thing close, you're going to see a little more back and forth. They want to they want to get up and down a little bit. I think I probably lean that way ever so slightly. Um, I mean, if you really want to get weird, you could throw five bucks on Brooklyn on the money line and cash in like crazy. There's they're almost plus four hundred for the game today. Uh, but I'm probably, again, I, I don't know that I'm making any wagers on this game right out of the shoot. I think there's a lot to be seen here. We saw Brooklyn overperforming in the seeding games. They were trying harder than other teams, and that doesn't go unnoticed. Toronto, they were trying about as hard as we expected they would try, and now they're going to ramp it up. This is a playoff-tested team. We cannot ignore that fact. So I'm going to leave this full game line alone. Uh, I do. I lean to Brooklyn and the over. But uh, like the other games, I think we'll be watching it. Toronto blitzes out to a giant lead. See if you can get more than 10 points on Brooklyn. I, I don't think they're going to lose by 20. You know, Everybody's going to be fighting here in these playoffs. There's a, the magic of playoff season. Everybody feels like they have a shot, especially with no Warriors around. I think everybody feels like we just they want to make some noise. This is a year to make some noise. All eyes on the bubble. Philly, a six-and-a-half-point underdog at Boston. That's the third game of the day. Celtics, um, certainly the large favorite with no Ben Simmons on that Philly side. Joel Embiid, I believe, is listed as questionable, but I got to think he's playing, right? Even if he's not full strength. Total of 218. Uh, no real feel on the total for this ballgame. I know Boston, they're the offensive machine. Does Philly try to slow it down, run a bunch of stuff through the post if Embiid is playing? See if they can kind of grind this game a little bit. Not a great matchup for the 76ers. I do think Boston wins the series. It's a lot of points for Philly to be catching in this opener, but it really could go either way. If they're not if they're not shooting the ball well, things could hit the skids fast. I just, I don't know. I just don't see how any of these teams roll over in game one. So I would lean to the underdog again in this one. No official play there. And watch out for those in-game runs. And then this is interesting to me. That Boston is favored by the same amount as the Clippers. Clippers by six and a half over Dallas. This has proven to be a really difficult matchup for the Mavericks over the course of the year. Uh, the Clippers have been able to slow down 
lead ball handlers on other teams by basically just sticking Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and or Pat Beverly on them, depending on the size of the player. They've slowed down LeBron James. They've slowed down Luka Doncic. This is, you know, they they can go after that point of attack guy and make life complicated. And I do, and I think the Clippers beat Dallas more handily than it is assumed they will. I think this is like a four to one type of series. 228 and a half is the total. Uh, lean to the under, lean to the Clippers in this one. I, I think that that projected number of Clippers, by the way, the projected total is 118 to 110-ish, 118-111, somewhere in that neck of the woods. And I think that's pretty accurate. I think the Clippers hold Dallas to 110 or less, uh, and they put up probably around 120 themselves. So clip, lean to Clippers and Dallas in that last game. Not No official full game plays as usual. I'm having way too much fun picking off these crazy in-game numbers. But as you guys heard, if I'm looking at this stuff today, Strongest leans are probably Philly uh, and Clippers, and then you've got this other stuff bouncing around like that parlay in the Brooklyn-Toronto game. So we'll leave it at that for this one. Uh, Wanted to sneak all that stuff in at the beginning of the show before getting to our uh, Wednesday co-host from uh, an era gone by, you know, pre-shutdown. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's all I wanted to hit on on the betting stuff, at least for the, uh, the outset here. I have made absolutely no bones about it. The fact that you all listeners haven't heard from anyone besides my stupid voice in the better part of five months is entirely my fault. Brew yelled at me, and I know this guest, well, you should yell at me, man. Maybe you'll let me off the hook. I doubt it, though. Happy Brandon Day. Happy Brandon Day. Wait, what did Bruce say to you? Did, did, did you uh, get thrown behind the shed and spanked a little bit? A li- yes, in a very non-gross way. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he accused me of uh, of dodging him, um, which is... Uh, I'd like to keep up that facade that like Brew and I don't talk outside of the podcast, even though he and I literally G-chat probably four out of every 24 hours every day. Um, but yeah, well, you and I text. I just I haven't had any guests on this show. I've had nobody on. I'm I'm so tired of talking to myself. Yeah, I don't know why you didn't have guests on because I get really bored when it's just me. I mean, I try to do whatever possible to get guests. And if they're guests that want to come on my show. I'm going to reach out to them. Which you did. Yeah. You do. Yeah. So I uh, I mean, that's what I did. This is on me. As I've said, it's on me. Uh, And I'll tell you what the, the actual, because I don't know if you know that I could make this up and I, and the listeners have heard me tell this story before, so I'll make it brief. There was a long stretch and it still happens from time to time where I do this podcast in, when I have my toddler sitting on the bed behind me, uh, playing like a learning game on a laptop that he will intermittently scream something out that he's doing on the computer or he'll yell, I need my milk or something that forces me to stop the show, go back and re-record. And so my thought was like, all right, well, I could roll the dice and have a guest on, but there's a very real chance that that guest is going to have to sit through five to eight stoppages where I'm just like, hold on a sec. And I sprint to the kitchen get my kid a slice of peanut butter and jelly that was prepared or a bag of Cheerios or something, and then try to figure out what the hell we were talking about. So rather than put people through that, I just just went solo for like four months in a row. And I don't, I got to give myself actually a pat on the back. Well, as long as I'm kicking myself for not talking to any of you guys, I have to give myself a pat on the back because somehow I found something to talk about for four straight months. So good for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, that's very impressive, honestly. It, it, to, for you to be able to do that time and time again every single day is quite impressive when 
I struggle to sit there for 20 minutes. I mean, I, I don't struggle. I do it. And like we've talked about, broadcasters find a way. But I was by <laughs> myself at home from like March 15th all the way until last Friday, not working, bored, asking you, all right, I'm free whenever. Let me know when you want me to come on. And I would have been gladly sad as you uh, got screamed at by Asher. But that's okay. That's okay. We, we, we've made amends. And now I'm back on the show. And I'm happy that we are here for Brandon Day and Ailment Day. And it's uh, still yeah, COVID thanks, Day. Thanks for bringing Ailment Day up. Because I didn't know, like, how soon during this whole pandemic can we bring Ailment Day back? You and I spent the better part of uh, November, December, January, and February complaining about the sniffles on Wednesdays and, like... You had a you had an eye surgery in there, I think, right? There was yep, there was yep. there was legitimate stuff going on. I had a, uh, my kids' regular colds every other week for three months in a row, and then it was like, well, we probably can we really still have ailment day because there's one that would just beat them all. But hey, you know what? Let's take a different tack. Are you feeling? I mean, instead of going to ask what's going what's wrong, I'm going to ask you this: Are you feeling good? Yeah, I'm feeling all right, which is great. I. Uh... I'm enjoying being healthy, which is nice, uh, apart from getting mosquito bites whenever I go outside because apparently <laughs> they uh, enjoy being around the San Fernando Valley and just biting at will if you're outside. So apart from the, uh, I don't know, 12 mosquito bites you get for every couple hours you're outside, things are good, man. I, I can't complain health-wise. Have, we, have you been on this show? Have we done this show since you – uh, actually got married and, and moved into a... I know we haven't done one since you moved into a house. Yeah, we have not done it since I moved into a house. We did it once when I uh, got married in a very small seven-person thing. That well, that was we, like right after the shutdown. Yeah, yeah. We Well, we got married on March 21st. So we were supposed to get married, obviously, that day. And eight days before is when uh, Trump came out and was talking about how things should slow down and then... Very soon thereafter, I think the 17th or even beforehand is when uh, Garcetti and Newsom shut things down in California and L.A. Yeah, it was, it was that week It because the NBA was the 11th. I think the, the L.A. or the California shutdown, I think, was the 18th or 19th. So you were like yeah. right on it. And then we had our kid four days after that. That was a busy, that was a very busy end of March. What a strange, what a strange year. I'm actually OK right now, too. We're, we're healthy over here. Um I mean, I don't, I'm not catching anything because I literally never set foot outside of this place. I don't know what I'm going to do, Brandon, when we're, like, allowed to just go be in public again. I don't know how I'm going to – I don't know how I'm going to talk to other people. I can't even – like, I'm out on the street, and I have my dog out for a quick pee before bed and, with my mask on and all that, and someone walks by, and I can't even make eye contact with people right now. I feel like – just looking at people is going to get me sick. It's crazy. I've lost my mind. We've all lost our minds for different reasons, but I'm I'm physically petrified of everything now. Yeah, that that sounds about right for you, though. I mean, yes, it's like it you're playing a game of Pac-Man and you're trying to avoid all the little different colored things, and you're moving all over trying to <laughs> grab your, uh, the little white circle, and you know you got the blue, the pink, all those yellow monsters coming after you. That's inky, exactly what it's an inky blinky. Oh crap! I used to know all the ghosts, but I was I was while you were doing that, I was thinking about just going. Wah, 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 there you go, the... perfect, exactly. Yeah, yeah I feel you, man. It's definitely strange. And uh, I got back to work last Friday, and went back into work and wearing a mask, and nobody's there. And I feel like if I see a human being, I have to jump out of the way as if it's a car or something. Yeah, it's, it's odd. Where it's like give six feet, and I'm like, 
how about 70? <laughs> does, that, that do, does that work for you? Uh, oh, let's talk some basketball, man. This is Brandon Marcus. It's Brandon. It's happy Brandon Space Day. It's a day that we celebrate Brandon. Um, that was still one of the funniest things of the year where uh, we said it so much that folks started to think your last name was Day. His last name is Marcus. He is BD Marcus on Twitter. Give him a follow if you haven't already. Um, I have two things I want to talk to you about. One okay. is the bubble because forget the logistical side of it, which was a, has been so far at least a rousing success, but mostly the fantasy stuff we've seen take place during the seeding games. Those, by the way, Brandon and I recording this on Friday. There are still meaningless games happening right now. By the time you guys hear this, meaningful games will be happening again come uh, actual play-in slash playoff time. Um, but, you know, I, I talked to Adam about it last week and just sort of things that we were witnessing from different teams that kind of changed our feelings on it. And then the playoffs. We got to talk about the playoffs because this is effectively going to be a non-fantasy podcast for a few months here, especially if they push opening day back into January or February. So I I will turn it over to you here, and you have the choice of, of road A or road B. Are we going fantasy seeding results and what they meant to you, or do you want to give me your playoff thoughts first? It's Brandon's choice. Thoughts- because that's more relevant. Yeah, I guess so. We don't really need to think about fantasy stuff for a while. So what do you think is going to happen? Give me the give me the full rundown here. I, I'm going to step aside for you. Well, I think that we're going to end up seeing what we thought, Lakers versus Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. Um, I think there's a lot of hype right now over Portland, and we're recording this the couple days before that play-in game. And Portland has to win, I believe, one, and Memphis has to win two. Correct. Um, And so there's a lot of talk, obviously, about Lillard and stuff, but I don't think people are realizing this team continues to give up points at will. So I think the Lakers will feast on them. So, I mean, it's I think the biggest thing to look at is uh, the Eastern Conference and what's going to happen there. I mean, if somebody like Toronto going to come out of the pack, are we going to see Philadelphia finally live up to their potential, even without Simmons. Maybe it's just the Embiid show. Probably not. So it's. I think we're going to see an anticlimactic playoffs, but still basketball back is better than not. But, I mean, no Russell Westbrook for Houston. Oklahoma City maybe makes some noise. I think it'll be interesting, but I think we'll end up seeing chalk in the Western Conference. We might see chalk in the Eastern Conference with Milwaukee and Toronto. All right, let's go through it piece by piece here. Lakers are going to have one of the two play-in teams. Um, I I think we can all agree they'd be more afraid of Portland than of Memphis. How long does the first round take in the Western Conference? Lakers, Blazers, let's assume, is what we're about to see. Um, Again, recording this a couple days in advance. Clippers, Mavs, uh, Nuggets, Jazz, which is sort of the weirdo one. I think that's what we're looking at in that that 3-6, although I I may be screwing something up on uh, the weird end-of-Friday results. And no, yeah, okay, good. So that's and then uh, Houston, Oklahoma City. How long are these series going? Let me. We're getting into the actual bracket. We're doing bracketology now. Okay, fine. I think Lakers Portland will last four or five. I think just maybe Lillard steals a game by himself. Um, I think Clippers Dallas goes five. Denver Utah I think will go seven, and I think uh, and in that one I think Denver wins. Uh, I don't really think Utah is very good uh, without Bogdanovich. I think that hurts him a lot. And uh, OKC Houston, I think OKC wins that one in six. Interesting. That's the one that that's the one where I think you and I might walk down different paths. I, but yeah, Oklahoma City. Chris Paul's been unbelievably good this year. I think 
everything that you said there pretty much paralleled where I was sitting on this stuff, except for OKC. You think they've got the firepower to hang with the Rockets? Yeah. I mean, no Westbrook's going to hurt a lot. It's going to be all James Harden. And you know what this team can do with its length with CP3. Obviously, he's a very good defensive player. You put Shea on him as well. And then you have Schroeder and Adams and Gallo. I think it's a very underrated team. A lot of guys that are really good basketball players and very solid. What are the odds that Westbrook comes back in time? Unlikely. Yeah, I think I'm likely. Yeah, well, I'm with you. Uh, yeah. By the way, I'm with you on Clippers-Mavs, too. That's That's been all season long a horrible matchup for Dallas. Uh, Clippers have just exactly the right pieces for that. Yep, it, yep. they'll be able to slow down Luka. He's uh, shot about 43% against the Clippers this year, 27% from deep, and Kawhi has gone off in pretty much all three games that they faced off against Dallas. They don't have anybody to stop Kawhi, and uh, it's really just Luka and KP, and if they're able to slow down one of those two guys and – They'll be fine. Yeah. Um, Lakers, Blazers, I'm with you on that one. I think it, there's a chance it might go six. Lakers seem to be sort of playing their ways into shape right now. It's unusual. Yeah. But Portland also can't stop anyone, and that ultimately will kill you in a playoff series. You have to be able like, all of the games they won in this seating were these insane shootouts, and they're just not going to be that same way. I know that's like the most, that's the lame, uh, you know, talking head, talking point type of stuff, but. Sometimes it's true. You have to be able to get a stop, and they got none of them. They also, like, I I don't want to take anything away from Portland. What they did was awesome. It was second only, really, to what Phoenix did, but they didn't... I I felt like their win over the Rockets was kind of their only impressive win of this this set. You know, they... It was a shootout with Brooklyn, who they should... If you want to beat the Lakers, you're going to have to beat Brooklyn by more than you did. Uh, It was a shootout with Dallas. It was a shootout with... Who the hell else? A Philly team that didn't have Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid for three quarters of that game. The um, Clippers. They ben- the Clippers benched Kawhi and PG, and the they- Clippers still won. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then he had the the trash talk, which was awesome. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, they're it. just. I I don't want to give. I mean, Lillard's a tremendous basketball player, and he's as clutch as they come, really. But I don't want to continue to give him props when his team continues to find themselves down by eight to ten points in the fourth quarter. Like that's not going to cut it in the playoffs. You can't go down by that much against LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You just can't. No, we saw, and and you know, some of this obviously is Drew Holiday looking back a couple years on that Pelicans Blazers series. Nurkic makes a difference, but the Lakers still have the advantage in the front court. Yeah, um, yeah you can't stick Holiday on Dame, but what AD did in that series was basically just cordon off like a third of the court, uh, and and they and they forced the ball out of Dame's hand. And so then it creates this weird new dynamic. But like you, I do think Dame steals a game. I think there's a chance they might even steal two um, just because, again, you know, you played all year for home court advantage and then you end up with none. But second round, Lakers thunder in your situation and then uh, Clippers nuggets. I mean, Clippers nuggets feels like they would stomp them. Isn't that that's the that's the juiciest run. Clippers feel like they have a pretty juicy path here to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I had a friend that texted me and said, congratulations on your title, and he's a Laker fan. I was like, stop. Stop being a super <laughs> loser before the playoffs even start. I hate when people do that because then they set you up for the told you so when the Clippers win, and if they don't, be like, oh, 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 oh the Lakers won. I hate when people do that. But <laughs> it, it, it really is one of those matchups that you wanted. I mean, the Clippers got the path they wanted. I think they wanted to avoid Oklahoma City. OKC is a pretty good team. 
And everyone was talking about avoiding Houston, but I'm not really as afraid of them without Russell Westbrook. So really, I don't think the West is as good as it was two or three weeks ago. Yeah. And so because of that, with I mean, Denver's been playing with injured players the entire bubble, it seems like. They mm-hmm. haven't I don't think they've had their full team. No, they're uh, down two starters the whole time, and then Jamal Murray missed half the bubble. Exactly. So between all that, it's just the Lakers and Clippers, I think, are the best teams. And even the Lakers were sitting players and the Clippers didn't have Montrez Harrell the entire time. They didn't have Lou Williams for a couple games. <laughs> that so, was a, that was a good story. Yeah, there's a lot going on, clearly. It's a weird situation, but I think the Clippers win that series with the Nuggets in six at most, and I think the Lakers beat the Thunder probably in five or six. Yeah, my my second round has the Lakers beating the Rockets in six, I believe. If it's the Thunder, I think you could see a pretty similar number. I think the Lakers would rather see the Thunder there if only because it's a more predictable series. I think the thing that everybody's afraid of with Houston is that it becomes very much a wild card series. What if they get insanely hot from downtown and just bombs away? But, you know, they're not guarding a ton of people either. And uh, they're not rebounding either, by the way. They're getting out rebounded by 25 to 30 a game and still somehow winning. Yeah, well, I mean, you you know, they've got no one out there that's tall enough to compete with anyone. Yeah. P.J. Tucker can push people around. I know he's stout, but, like, you throw a seven-footer in there, and he's just going to reach right over these other dudes. So they they have these obvious glaring weaknesses with Houston. But, you know, maybe by the second round, what if they get by OKC? What if or what if Westbrook is back for that second round? There's just there's a lot of firepower and a lot of different ways that a game can go, and I think that freaks teams out because there's a big unknown there. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. Lakers, Clippers in the Western Conference Finals, and I'll say it first so you don't have to. Right now, your Clippers are the better team. Yeah, they I are. Yeah, I, I wish I didn't have to say it. I, I yeah, be, because on March 11th, I don't think that was the case. I think the Clippers were the better team in three of the four games they played this year, and I just think the Clippers bench is so much better than what the Lakers have, and. No, I mean, Avery Bradley's not that good of a player, and I don't think Rondo is that great either, but those are pieces that are going to be missed in a playoff series. And without those two, I just I don't think the Lakers can do a whole lot. LeBron was not good against the Clippers during the season. He shot his lowest field goal percentage, I believe, of any team against the Clippers because yep. they have all those wings that can switch on him, whether it be Kawhi, PG, or Marcus Morris. And so because of that, I think the Clippers have the edge. It terrifies me, but it would be very Clipper-ish for the Clippers to win a season in a bubble where no fans can be there, where it gives people (laughs) an excuse to invalidate the title, and you can't even celebrate the title in Los Angeles. I mean, it would be very, very Clipper-ish for that to happen. I think it will. I have them winning the finals. We we can talk about the Eastern Conference now because... We'll figure out who they're going to be playing there, but um, I, I threw ten bucks on the Clippers at a, like plus three fifty to win it all. I, I I'll put my money where my mouth is. There, I I distinctly hope as a Laker fan they sort of figure things out between now and the Western Conference Finals. But yeah, I mean, if these two teams played the way things are at this exact moment, the Clippers would definitely win that series. I think it's going at least six, maybe seven, though. Yeah, I think it'll be tight for sure. But I just think the Clippers have the better end of game um, guys on the floor. Yeah, the Lakers have AD, LeBron, and then they try and figure out who else they want around them. What guard you want on the floor? It's just uh, it's 
an interesting mix, obviously. Kuzma, I, I just don't know what they're going to do. Well, Kawhi's a pretty obvious end-of-game option. Yes, there's yes. No, as no, is Paul George. There's just no there's no real debate there. And even through, you know, like as unbelievably transcendent as LeBron has been, he never really seems to want to be the, the shot taker at the end of the game. That said... Um, I don't have a huge problem with a seven-footer with feathery touch and can dribble in AD taking a shot near the end of a ball game. Uh, and the Lakers, oddly, have been getting Kuzma the ball late. He was good in the bubble, surprisingly good, because I didn't even put him on my resumption bubble draft board, and he ended up being pretty good. Yeah, Go but if I'm the Lakers, I'm a little concerned that there are games where AD's only taking 12 or 13 shots. Like, that's just, that it can't be happening in the playoffs. No, teams doubling on AD was a weird new look. Um, they got to, I'm, I'm assuming they went into the locker room and game planned out what happens if that's a strategy again. But that was, that was a weird stretch, and that was about as bad as he's looked for two games in a row ever. Mm-hmm. Um, Eastern Conference, a little bit top-heavy. A little bit. Yes. Just a, tad. <laughs> Just a tad. I think you and I agree that Milwaukee will sweep Orlando. Yeah, that one's a that one's a walk in the park. I, I mean, I think there's a very real chance Toronto sweeps Brooklyn as well, although the Raptors, notorious losers of their first game of the playoffs every year, and yeah. then come back like and play Brooklyn, well. Man. Brooklyn's fun. They play hard. They do, but they just don't have the firepower in the playoffs. No, but I like Levert. I like Jared Allen. I, I think they have a decent team. Um, I mean, between Joe Harris, Garrett Temple, they got guys, but I I think, yeah, Toronto wins in either four or five. The middle ones are a little bit more interesting, although Philly is cut down to their nubs a bit with no Ben Simmons. Uh, I think we'll probably see Joel Embiid, although Marcus Gasol clubbed him in the wrist, so we don't know if he's 100% right now. Uh, He ended up leaving that last ballgame. I mean, I think with or without Embiid, Boston wins that series. The question is, you know, if it's without... That could be a sweep. If it's with, you're looking at probably, what, five or six? Yep, that was exactly what I was going to say, five or six. And then the most interesting one, Miami-Indiana. Miami won all of the actual regular season games. Indiana ended up winning the one uh, that happened just before you and I were recording this segment. Um, I I mean, I I think Miami gets through that one, but I feel like that one's going seven. Uh, I don't think it goes as much as you think. You think Uh, Miami runs them? I don't think Indiana's that good. Um, I mean, they're fine. Uh, I just – is it Miles Turner now hurt too? Uh, uh, I guess, yeah, Demonis Sabonis being out is a big deal. Yeah, Sabonis isn't there. I mean, do you trust that TJ Warren's going to go crazy? He's missed the last couple of games, I believe. Uh, Brogdon just has not been the same guy in the bubble. So I, uh, I'm going to say Miami in five or six. All right, I could get on board with Miami in six. Yeah, I could be coerced. Okay. All right. Second round, uh, Milwaukee, Miami. I, there's been all of this Bam Adebayo is the Giannis stopper stuff, and I'm I'm my brain is hearing shades of Ruben Patterson, the Kobe stopper, and <laughs> and then Kobe just dropping it on him every time. Doesn't this doesn't this have a little bit of that feel to it, where Giannis is just gonna be like, oh sweet, it's Bam. I'm really going to destroy today. Yeah, I think my, Milwaukee will win that one five or six. I'm with you. What about Toronto-Boston? That might be the most interesting series we've talked about outside of maybe Lakers-Clippers to this point. Yeah, Uh, and Boston's got the guys that, I mean, between Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, I mean, they've got a lot of talent, obviously Kemba. um, But I just think that Toronto is just the better team. And in those situations, I like the better team and guys that seem like they're out to prove themselves. So I think I like Toronto in 
six. Yeah, I like Toronto also. Um, Boston, I, I always, I, sometimes I look back at a season series to see if it'll tell me anything. Boston beat Toronto in the second game of the season uh, and again two months later. Boston won the first two. Toronto came back the very next game and clobbered them. Uh, and then I think Boston throttled them in the bubble, right? I don't remember. So I think I think Boston went three and one against Toronto this year. I, what does it mean? Yeah, one twenty-two, one hundred. You're right. I don't know if it means anything at all. I don't. I don't know if that's a thing. Is it? Is this just a weird matchup for Toronto? Where you know do they they catch him on kind of a, a a couple of strange nights, but you know Boston did appear to be the better team in this head-to-head matchup. I know Toronto had guys out pretty much every single time they played, and that was sort of the Raptors' thing this year was running guys until they ended up injured. But Boston did some similar stuff with, with their minutes for guys in the regular season. Um, you know, Philly it, it, mess them up a little bit, though. I, I think that's one thing that's got to be taken into consideration is that Philly may mess them up a little bit in that series. Yeah, they'll push them harder than Brooklyn is pushing Toronto. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I started on Toronto in this one, and now I'm sort of I'm I'm hesitating a tiny bit. I, I I'm with you. Toronto defensively is the better team there. Uh, at full strength, they they should win that series. They have a a significant size advantage. Boston tends to go kind of like a f- four guard. Daniel Tice, you know, love of my fantasy life lineup. Uh, and then. Toronto has Gasol, Serge Ibaka, Pascal Siakam. They've got guys they can run out there that have that that bigger thing going on. Uh, but Boston will try to spread them out a little bit. I think I'm going to go Toronto with you, uh, if, if for no other reason than Kemba Walker isn't even remotely close to himself. And that, it feels to me like they need that type of scoring punch if they're going to get past him. And I think the only game these two teams played where Kemba was sort of semi-strength was this weird bubble game. And I don't know how much stock to put in that. So I'll go with you on Toronto. I think that one's going seven. I think it's going the whole way. What about Milwaukee, Toronto? Oof. I'm going to go Bucks. Uh, I know Toronto stopped them last year, and yep. Toronto's still very good, but that to me is the Kawhi. That was the Kawhi difference. Yeah, um, I think so too. I think that's going to play a pretty big role. And I don't know. It, it's something about Milwaukee that's very anti Sixers in terms of they have their five starters that are all very good basketball players. And the one thing I think is Bledsoe's got to be good. I mean, if Bledsoe's not good, then their backcourt's not very good. And you put a lot of the onus on M- Middleton and Giannis. Yeah, they're, they're going to need their defense. Score. Yeah, I, I think they're going to have to have a very good defense, um, both sides really. But uh, Toronto, if they've got more guys you can go to between Powell and Anobi, Van Fleet, I mean, they've got a lot of talent on that floor, on the on Siakam. They've got a ton of guys they can go to. And so if Milwaukee ends up just making it all about Giannis, they're going to lose that series. Yeah, I, you know, he's, he's worked on trying to expand his range a little bit. I, I'm very curious if they do something different this year than what they did last year in that Toronto series. It was kind of like this definition of insanity type of playoff series where Milwaukee just kept running the same stuff over and over again, and Toronto was like, cool, we're defending this just like this. And until you do something else... We're just going to keep slowing you down. Remember, Milwaukee blew them out early in that series, and then Toronto just came back and and kind of steamrolled them a little bit. Like, that wasn't really that close of a series after the first couple of games. Um, I, I do think, like you, I, I think Milwaukee gets over that hump this year. Uh, 
but Toronto's damn good, and I am. It is not. It's by no means going to be an easy series. The Raptors are way better than people realize, and I think on the betting side, even if you think Milwaukee wins that series, I don't know that you could bet on them because I'm guessing the price is going to be a bit inflated in their favor. Uh, finals. I've already said it. Your Clippers over the Bucks. I to me, it's it's kind of already what we talked about on the the Luca front. Like the yep. Clippers have the right solution for this team where, you know, it was weird. Like when all of these teams are at full strength, the three, the three or four best teams in the NBA, Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, Raptors, when all of them were at full strength, I felt like there was this weird carousel where like each team was better against one opponent than another. There was no one team that was clearly going to beat all the other ones. I thought early in the, or, or like March, let's just look at March. I thought in March, it looked like the Lakers had a pretty good matchup with the Clippers. I thought the Lakers had a really bad matchup with the Raptors and not a great one with the Bucks. I thought the Clippers had a really good matchup with the Bucks. Uh, it, it was it was strange. Like I never I couldn't really pick a team that was going to easily beat the other three. It seemed like any one matchup could come down to a few different weird little factors. And so for that reason, when I look at Clippers Bucks, I look at the the rosters and think. Yeah, the Bucks defensively are going to be solid, but the Clippers have the right pieces to deal with Giannis and Middleton, and that's the Bucks' offense. Yeah, the Clippers did lose both games against Milwaukee. They lost 129-124, but I don't think in the first game. I don't think Paul George was around uh, for that game. I'm not even sure Kawhi played that game. Uh, and then they lost 119-91. to So they got their butts kicked both times, and Giannis put up a double-double in both games. So he was really good. But for the Clippers, I mean, it's Kawhi was 5 of 14. PG was 5 of 12. They combined for 30 points. I don't see that happening in a playoff series. I think it's a different animal. I think they're, they'll step up the intensity. And so because of that, I think the Clippers win that one in 6 or 7. Yep, I'm with you on that one as well. Quick thoughts here on the bubble. Uh, I know we, we're not going to have to deal with, with traditional full-season fantasy stuff in a little bit, but I thought the exercise that I did with Adam King was kind of a fun one. Were there one or two guys that you were watching where you were just like, well, this changes the way I'm thinking about this dude for next year? Or what, what jumped out at you? I guess we don't have to necessarily go specific players. Just a broad overview here since it did just wrap up pretty recently. Well, why not go specific players? Let's, right. let's, let's double down on someone that I uh, was very high on going into this season and then just combusted in my face. And he decided to uh, tease me. Again oh, I know where you're going. In the bubble. And he just was so damn good. He was a walking double-double. And uh, I know John Wall and Bradley Beal weren't there, but man, Thomas Bryant was so good. So good. Listen, I don't even care how good he was. I thought the most important part of what he did in the bubble was playing 30 minutes a game. Yeah, yeah. He, he was, was healthy. healthy. That, was, that was big. If he stays healthy, I, I still stand by that he's the fact he can still be top 50. Oh, without question. He was a top 10 guy in the bubble. Yeah. That's insanity, by the way. I mean, listen, we're not... I don't think anybody's claiming that that's where he's going to end up at the end of this coming season or even for small stretches. But Thomas Bryant was uh, actually number four on a per game basis during the bubble. He did sit one out. I think by the end of this, depending on what happens the rest of Friday as of our recording, there's a very real chance that Thomas Bryant is a top five bubble performer. That's wild. So forget all the other stuff. That's 30 minutes a game. 20 points, 9 boards, 3.6 combined defensive stats, two three-pointers and 56% from the field. Usage will come down with Beal and Wall around just a smidge. Yeah. Smidge. But uh, 
there's a, I mean, he could potentially shoot better with those guys getting him looks. So I, you know, I'm not going to get cute with it and say like one thing is going to counterbalance the other, but I'm with you, man. He's, he's completely re- rehabilitated his value. And my hope is that nobody was paying attention when it happened. Yeah. And there's a couple of guys also. Um, and yeah, I completely agree with, obviously with Brian, it's just a matter of, uh, I think he will go under the radar. I really do. I don't think that enough people are paying attention to Washington and two other guys. I, I, dude, I think Holmes is back under the radar. He was awful in the bubble. Yeah, he was and hurt. Because of that, I don't think there's going to be a lot of attention on him. So I think he's another guy that I don't think will be ranked as high as he's going to end up actually playing. And then also Mike Conley, man. He, he was good towards the end of the season before the lockdown happened. And uh, now he's starting back up. So I think Conley's another guy that will probably be a buy low. Oh, good sir. You know, just had to tickle me with these selections. Mike Conley, a classic old man play. How many games? Well, is he going to end up playing in, what, six of these games? Is that the, the final tally for him? No, only five. Yeah, Utah rested guys a whole bunch. But regardless, on a, on a per-game basis, yeah, Conley was, uh, Conley was quite solid. He was number 50. On a per gamer in the bubble, 17 and a half points per game, five assists, steals for him. And that's that seems to be a thing with Utah point guards in general. But I mean, he's a guy that could get drafted in the 70s or 80s next year with as bad as he was this season. So, yeah, give me some old man Conley uh, and give me some Rashawn Holmes because that's a dude, that's a beautiful thing. He was he was so good when he was the starting center during the real regular season. Then he got hurt. And I think that soured a lot of people. And now in the bubble, he played hurt. And then they finally just were like, no, you can't. Look, you're, you're, you're barely moving out there right now. You're not yourself. So, yeah, you're right. And, by the way, at the time of you and I recording this, like right before we went on air, Vlade Divac stepped down as the Kings GM. So we don't even really yeah. know how they're going to be prioritizing people. Marvin Bagley was, that was a this regime guy. Like, we don't know if he's going to be a massive priority going forward. We don't know what they're doing with Bogdan Bogdanovich, with Buddy Heald, with Harry Giles, who I'm guessing they, I, I believe they don't have the money to pay him. Uh, Rashawn Holmes could be stepping straight into a 24, 25-minute role next year, and he's an easy top 60, 70 guy in that number of minutes with upside. I love it, man. You're, you're, you're playing right into the, the, uh, the best for sold man squad here. Yeah, I, those are three guys that really stood out to me. And also, I think one thing will be fascinating to see is where Nurk gets drafted next year, because obviously Whiteside ended up as a top 10 guy uh, before bubble began. And Nurk is going to be their starting center. And he was really good. And don't forget that he was a guy that was starting over Jokic for a little while before Denver got rid of him. So Nurk is a guy that's got the potential to be very, very good. And I'm curious to see where he's going to go in drafts. I think that'll be one name that I'm really keeping an eye on to see if he gets overvalued or if maybe he gets undervalued because he didn't play very much. Yeah, I wonder how much stock people are going to put into these bubble games. You know, we we know what the diehards are watching, but do we know how much his incredible play here and just no rust at all? I still can't believe that aspect of it. How much is that going to sort of influence the the public at large in fantasy drafts? That is a really, really good question. Whiteside is a free agent, so he could end up somewhere where he's going to get 20-some-odd minutes a game. And, I mean, he could—I I don't know where he's going to end. I don't Like, is he going to get drafted in the first round next year? I, it, it, if he's starting—I mean, if he's starting somewhere, then I think you have to 
put him in that conversation of a guy that goes in the late first and early second round. But it, that's the key is, is he starting? And if so, where? Because it did help that he had Lillard with him to give him some of those easy alley-oops. But he was great defensively. I mean, he was getting blocks. He was shooting a good field goal percentage. He was getting a ton of rebounds. He was getting 15 to 20 rebounds at one point. So he he's a guy that's – I mean, all these guys are going to be fun to watch to see where – they go on uh, on Portland with those centers with Nurk and with Whiteside. Yeah, you know me. I just wait until ADPs come out. That's my that's my Christmas morning. I love well, where that. Nick, uh, where do you think Nurkic goes right now? If you had to guess, where does he get placed? Because I mean, 30s. am I crazy? Uh, where do you say thirties? Thirties, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say thirty-five to forty. Yeah, that's where he's going. Almost almost without question, especially after as well as he played in the bubble here. Um, where the hell did he end up on a? on a per-game mark in the bubble. 13. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he slowed a little bit as the bubble went on. It was almost like that massive adrenaline boost is finally subsiding a tiny bit, but overall, he was he was terrific. Uh, Fre- he's, he's sandwiched in between Luka Doncic and Freddie Van Vliet in, in per-game bubble output. <laughs> what, a, what a weird sentence. At the beginning of this year, if you were like, Dan, are you ever going to put the words per-game bubble output in rapid succession? I would have been like, nah, that's probably not going to happen. And yet, here we are. Uh, yeah, he's going early. <laughs> he's going. I thought if we were talking about a bubble, it was going to be what I was living in. Yes, yeah, it's all that too. Uh, yeah, Nurkic is going real high. The reason I like the other guys that you brought up, particularly uh, Holmes and Conley, is that these are guys who you, you've seen their draft stock slip and I'm always, I love it. I love being on the prowl for guys where it's like, yeah, this dude is ready for a, a delicious bounce back. Yeah, exactly. A, a guy that you can get in that 70 to 80 range that ends up in the 30 to 40 range. All right, Brandon. Uh, thanks, man, for not uh, for not killing me for this, for not uh, for killing me for uh, <laughs> not talking to you for a while. <laughs> happy to do it, man. Uh, always happy to do it. I enjoy this. I enjoy talking basketball. Last time we talked, you're like, oh, it's great to talk to another human. And, yeah, it truly is. You don't see very many people outside of uh, your family, so it's nice to actually <sighs> do this. It's so crazy. It's so crazy, man. I'm happy for you. You got married. You got a house. You can actually have a real wedding at some point in, I don't know, 2021, I hope. Yeah, maybe 2022, because next year there's only two Saturdays left uh, for our venue. For the oh, entire- my God. Serious? Unbelievable. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see. But uh, before I go, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to promo my podcast, the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Yeah, there you go. Have started. We'll be having uh, two podcasts most likely per week. And uh, most likely on Sundays, Justin Wilson of LA Clippers film will be joining me hopefully every single Sunday, uh, especially this Sunday. He'll be there. So. Uh, you are listening to this on Monday, so that, go ahead and go listen to it now because yeah. the Clippers are going to be playing their first game. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at BDMarcus. You can follow the Clippers podcast on Twitter at HoopBallClips. You can just search for it, the HoopBall Clippers podcast. It's so damn easy to find. Actually, if you search for the words hoop space ball or hoop hyphen ball, wherever podcasts are located, you will see all of our delightful team coverage podcasts and Hoopball Clippers is the one that Brandon's hosting. You pull some sweet guests for that show, man. You had Clippers radio man Noah Eagle on, uh, what is it, a week and a half ago now? I did. I did. I had Noah Eagle on before that. I had Brian Seaman. Uh, got a bunch of different Clippers personalities from Twitter. And like I said, going to have Justin Wilson, LA Clippers film on the podcast. Justin Lynn was a cool one. Justin Lynn was a cool yeah, one. Yeah, Joey Lynn was a Joey Lynn, sorry. one. Uh, he, uh, he's a guy that's all over Clippers uh, 
Twitter. So he was a good one. And we'll see who else I'm able to pull throughout the uh, playoffs. So we'll have Andrew Greif back on at some point as well from the LA Times. So we, uh, we're trying to pull good guests. I can't talk to myself all the time like you can. Yeah, well, you know, only child situation over here. And spent my whole life just talking to myself in a mirror. So what the hell? Might as well, might as well do it on a pod. Happy well, Brandon Day. Happy Brandon Day. We'll have another Brandon Day again soon. It won't be every couple of months. We'll, we'll, I, I promise we'll, I, will, I will do better. This is my mea culpa. Do you forgive me? I do. Do better, Dan. Do better. <laughs> See you later, man. Bye. My good buddy, Brandon Marcus, at BD Marcus on Twitter. Give him a follow. Post haste. And check out our buddies over at manscaped.com with coupon code HOOPBALL20 to get your lawnmower 3.0 for 20% off and free shipping on your order to your house. Just push a couple of those bad boys on you here this month of August. It's a great month. It's a great month for NBA playoffs. We've got baseball in full swing. Uh, not that you can really go anywhere, but you might as well feel happy when you're getting out of the shower and you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you don't want to look at it uh, like a, a pelt. You don't need to be wearing a pelt. It's 185 degrees outside everywhere in the country right now. So clean yourself up with the Lawnmower 3.0 coupon code HOOPBALL20. A couple quick thoughts in case we don't get to tomorrow's early game before it, it starts. The uh, Unbelievably, it's the Lakers and the Blazers are the first game, not primetime. They're going right out of the chute uh, tomorrow morning, I believe. Am I getting that right or am I getting that wrong? Oh, maybe they're the late one. Is Orlando Milwaukee the early one? Sorry, guys. I'll get this. I'll get my head. Uh, I got to pull it out of my, you know what, before I get this thing going. Tomorrow's games. Uh, yeah, it's, it's Bucks. It's Bucks and Magic. It, it, sorry, I was looking at a thing that had the Lakers listed first because I think I had starred them as a team that I want to watch. But they are the late game, as uh, as expected. They're the one that everybody gets to see. Magic and Bucks are the early game tomorrow. That line is Milwaukee by 12. And amazingly, you know, that's one of those series that's going to be a, a, a premier butt kicking. Total of 225 and a half. I don't know that Orlando even has the pieces to push the pace anymore. I would consider the under, if only because I legitimately don't know if Orlando hits 100 points. That's my thoughts on the early game tomorrow. And hopefully we can talk more about it when uh, we get the podcast going tomorrow. But just in case we're running a couple minutes tardy, that is uh, what you got on that one. So again, today, let's get this thing fired up. Game start in a half an hour. Ooh, boy, I can't wait. I can't wait. The playoffs are here. Have a wonderful playoff first day. Congratulations to the Blazers on beating the Grizzlies over the weekend. That was a big win for us. We had Grizz. Uh, I was tweeting about it, but again, not not official stuff. I had Grizz for the full game. I had uh, Blazers when, on an in-game mark when they were a one-and-a-half-point favorite, and I middled it. Oh, it was juicy. 20-to-1 odds on that good stuff. Maybe we could do that together today. I am Dan Vesperus. Thank you again to Brandon Marcus. We'll talk to you tomorrow, everybody. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.